Hello, welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 betting show. We are sponsored by Betfair and this is myself, Ali Maxwell and him, George Ellick, making some picks ahead of the returning full slate of EFL Action Championship League One and League Two in our sites. Uh, this, therefore, is a podcast that talks about gambling. Gambling comes with significant risks. And you should, if you're thinking of placing a bet this weekend or any time, understand the risks that come with it. The best place to do so uh, is to head to begamblerware.org. Uh, George and I always like to make sure that no one is betting more than they can afford to lose and no one is chasing their losses. Two key messages from us. Uh, last week, George, good from you once again. Always nice to get a nap and a next best up, I always think. Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? Mansfield was the nap. And then Cambridge, of course. Yeah, lovely stuff. Wow. I've only just realised how good that was. So that's good. After a difficult start to the season. Who would you say, I'm trying to think who my betting show form has been like. Maybe Swindon? like Swindon. Yeah, that'd be good. Tram maybe? I think you and Swindon are really going hand in hand at the moment. Do you mind? Uh, you're in good nick. You're in good nick. Bradford, my nap, did nothing for me against Wimbledon. Two all draw there. Donny did indeed smash Crawley. That was my only winner of the five picks in, uh, in in reverse form at the moment, which is frustrating given the time spent trying to hit the right notes each week. I uh, just need to try and find that that rhythm that I found at times last season. So in the EFL this weekend, George, what is your best bet? What is your nap? My best bet is uh, Stevenage to beat Crawley at 10 to 11 at mm. Crawley. I would say my two biggest pre-season stances and this is, you know, there's nowhere to hide in this game, were Burnley being good in the Championship and Crawley being good in League Two. One of them has aged okay. One of them has aged worse than the milk in the fridge. Where um, Crawley, my biggest stance right now, probably in the whole of the EFL, is that something has to change at Crawley because they are, I guess, probably now the worst team in the EFL because we've seen uh, Rochdale definitely improve since making a change of manager early signs, very, very early signs that um, Hartlepool were much better last weekend. So I guess you're looking at Gillingham and Crawley as being kind of the two worst teams at the moment in the EFL. Um, and with Crawley, that there doesn't really seem to me to be any reason why that's going to change. Yes, of course, their squad should be okay on paper, um, but we've seen too many games now to ignore the fact, what is it, nine games, 10 games so far, They've only won one of those, which was a 3-2 win at home to Stockport, where they scored three of their five sh- uh, shots. They've basically lost the XG battle in every single game, apart from a 3-2 three, three, defeat to Northampton, which was um, a little bit unlucky. But if anything, the, the performances looked to me to be getting worse uh, after an, an, maybe an initial steadying of the, of the ship, where they are just not creating many chances at all, and they are fairly porous. And a 4-1 defeat to Doncaster, a Doncaster side that I still do not think particularly good is probably the worst um, result and performance so far this season. Uh, I know that, you know, people at the club, Kevin Betsy, Preston, who Johnson, who we had on, um, I'm sure Chris Galley, the, you know, the, the sporting director would all point to injuries and that, that might be fair enough, but from a pure betting perspective, I, I just think at the moment until we see any signs of life, you, you, it's going to be profitable getting against Crawley because I'm not entirely sure that they are being, priced up as the worst team um in the league at the moment and to, to be getting 10 to 11 um you know it was odds it was odds against earlier in the week for those eagle-eyed but to be getting 10 to 11 about a stevenage side who who have been so impressive so far this season you know they sit in third place they are totally there on merit um we've already seen them go to crew and to Tranmere and beat them both uh, they're only two defeats this season they've been on the road but against much better uh opponents uh, in in Salford and in Mansfield and their home form is, is relentlessly good I, I think we know now 
um, that this is a side who are third by merit. They are not kind of a Reading of the championship where um, probably considered both Reading and, and Stevenage, they were considered by the market to be definitely bottom half sides at the very best. Stevenage form looks sustainable and they aren't there by fluke and Steve Evans has built a, a really, really good side there. So, you know, this is a, a game between an incredibly functional, very good League Two side up against one that, that aren't functioning at all. And I'd be pretty amazed uh, given Stevenage's defensive strength you know, they, they don't concede many chances. This is a game between one of the best defences in the league against probably one of the two worst attacks. So things would have to unravel pretty pretty quickly for, for me to see this going any other way. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm very, very strong on, on Stevenage making their strength count. Not as strong as me, though. When is a double nap not quite a double nap? When Ali is also backing Stevenage. Minus one. Ooh. Looked at to nil, looked at minus one went with minus one. That's 11 to four with the Betfair Sportsbook. 3.75 the price for my nap this week. It is your nap, but hyper. Um, what can I say that you haven't already? Last week, I, I picked against Crawley because I, I, I said I thought they were pretty bad, that they'd been second best in basically every game this season and that there weren't a huge amount of redeeming qualities in their performances at both ends of the pitch. Um, so as you can imagine, the 4-1 defeat to Donny hasn't changed those views. Uh, as for Stevenage, well, it, it's funny that you brought up pre-season stances. Easily the stance of mine that looks the smartest. There are others that look less smart. Middlesbrough in the Championship spring to mind. Maybe more on them later. Uh, they've been very good, haven't they? I I'm happy with my Barnsley 1920 Val Ishmael comparison that I made on the Monday pod. And, and you rightly pointed out they've had generous fixtures so far. And, and clearly we both think this is another one. If you look at underlying numbers, the second worst attack in Crawley against the best defence, the third best attack in Stevenage against the fourth worst defence. Everything's pointing in, in one direction stats wise. Individual player stats sum it up pretty well. It makes for, for grim reading for Crawley fans. The 29 players between teams that have played over 300 minutes so far this season, and you can sort them by various stats. In terms of shots per 90, Stevenage have the top six players, Crawley just one of the top nine. Uh, XG per 90, same, just one of the top nine players, Crawley, and that's Dom Telford, who didn't even start last weekend and hasn't started actually that many games this season. The red flag is obviously that, that Stevenage have won seven of their 10 league games all by a single goal. So they haven't actually covered the minus one yet. So why am I so bullish on the minus one? It all goes comes down to what I perceive to have been a complete collapse when Doncaster went 2-1 up against Crawley last week. It was one all. Uh, Donny got a, a fortunate pen and Crawley completely folded at that point. Uh, a lack of belief, clear to me, heads dropping this is the worst possible opponent for, for that sort of team, for a team lacking belief, because Stevenage will keep coming at them wave after wave of pressure, um, ball after ball into the box. Stevenage have the, they've built the squad for that sort of football. Crawley have built the squad for a technical uh, game. Uh, off the bench, Stevenage, tons of options to keep them fresh. Crawley just simply don't have that. So I don't think the seven games won by a single goal is a, fair, is a fair reflection of how strong Stevenage have been this season. Particularly, look at last week. They absolutely battered. Uh, was it Harrogate and, and just won 1-0 at the end? But on another day, 3-4-0, um, I think we could see a similar thing here. So we're obviously on the same page. I'm just maybe out of desperation going a little bit more bullish, but I'm excited about this. Stevenage minus one. We'll both have a very close eye on events in Crawley uh, on Saturday. Am I, am I right in thinking we've done this once before? I think it was a similar thing where I went for the shorter price and you boosted it and I got the winner and you didn't. 
I think it was last season. Wow. So that means variance on my side. That's already happened. Yeah. Our side, mate. We're a team. Right. Yes. Sorry. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to League One for my next best. I'm backing Peterborough to go to MK Dons and to win at 13 to 10. Uh, Quite a nice little sweet spot moment for this. Um, Although, again, the market has kind of moved in Peterborough's direction in the last couple of days. They kind of opened up as pick and prices. Firstly, uh, MK Dons come here off the back of a, a very big important 2-1 win at Oxford um, which may have some thinking that, that that difficult start to the season may well be coming to an end I disagree um, They, you know, anyone who listens to the Monday show will know that I'm not particularly enamoured by Oxford so far this season in that game they won thanks to an own goal and a penalty so it wasn't like the very poor attacking um, unit suddenly worked out what they were doing it was it was you know it was yes they created the first goal from open play but um this certainly wasn't an MK side who went to Oxford and created loads of chances and Oxford probably created the better chance in the game albeit they did come to life at 2-0 down um, but it was a game very low of quality it didn't look like a game between two sides who spent the last couple of seasons um, trying to get out of the league and, and particularly not two sides who went into this season with with promotion aspirations themselves um, MK Don's very much a work in transition a work in progress I've seen a lot of their fans accepting that and accepting that the players they lost in Darling and Twine mean that this is going to be a season where probably the most important thing for them is um, consolidation and keeping hold of Liam Sweeting and, and Liam Manning. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of made me a, a bit happy. One that it didn't because they beat the team I support. But if you know what I mean, betting wise, I, I think it's a, a bit of a false dawn in terms of, of the performance and the result. Uh, and Posh, I've mentioned how bad they've been on the road this season and I stand by that. Um, but I looked into it a bit more this morning and in fairness, the, the fixtures will have some part to play in that. They've lost four of their five games away from home so far this season, away uh, on the road. But they have played Plymouth, who are top, Pompey, who are second, Bolton, who are sixth, and Derby, who are, who are 11th. When you consider that all four of those teams have won the majority of their points and are probably, and I haven't done the research now, I can do it as we're talking, but in terms of um, home form, are fairly reliant on that. Certainly you've got Plymouth who are first, Bolton who are third, Derby who are fifth and Pompey who are seventh. So if you're looking at just the home table, then that's a, that's four of the top seven they've already played away from home. And they've only lost one of those games by more than one goal, which was a 2-0 defeat against Argyle. Yes, the 3-2 win over Cheltenham on opening day was slightly fortuitous. It was a long time ago. I'm kind of happy to not ignore it, but for the purposes of this, where they're going to a side that I think are one of the poorer teams in the league, I'm not too bothered. I think Peterborough are, are, are a much better side than MK, will finish much higher than MK, and I think the, the poor away form will, against the worst teams in the division, which is what I think MK at the moment, will will get better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the price of 13 to 10 is is very fair. I expect we'll see um, the same set up with Jade Jones and Kwame Poku either side of of, of Clark Harris which is good because it was you know they created a lot of chances on, on the weekend as well so uh, yeah I think Posh uh, a fair value still even though the price has gone a little bit to, to go and get their second win uh, away from home this season so am I? I am my next best Middlesbrough to beat Coventry <laughs> this weekend my Middlesbrough who really are letting me down it's not about me, but it feels like it is. Was very, very bullish on them preseason. A lot of the things that I said confidently um, simply haven't been true. Some of the things that I said, that I thought, that I envisaged, have been true, and yet still haven't 
yielded results. We'll get into that in a second. They, they go to Coventry, who must be the weirdest team for us so far this season. Yeah, I don't understand. The league started, I think, 61 days ago from now. Uh, they've played only seven league matches in that time, six of them away from home and only one at the Rico, um, which is it will go some way to explaining why their numbers look very, very bad. I think most teams, if they had to play 85% of their matches away from home um, would look pretty bad in terms of un underlying numbers and I dare say with results as well. So I still believe that they are in a completely false position. I don't, I am not yet buying into the the description of commentary as mired in a relegation battle. I, I don't know if that's necessarily how the fans feel. Um, it must be confusing for them as well because that league table looks horrendous. Um, but overall, I'm still not terrified for them shall we say but they have been pretty bad and particularly they've been very open at the back um, Mark Robbins hasn't achieved any sort of defensive solidity so far they've conceded 13 in their seven games very bad xg against numbers the biggest thing for me with Coventry and why I want to oppose them as much as back Borough is that they're missing their two best players or two of their three best players um, Hamer Harmer suspended for this game He's suspended for four games after his second red of the season was a straight red against Birmingham last time out. And Callum O'Hare's still out. Uh, he's back on the grass. Everyone very excited to have him back soon, but not this weekend. Uh, Jokeresh, the other one, he's been away with Sweden, um, playing away in Belgrade and then at uh, home in Stock Stockholm. He started one and came off the bench in another. And that's never great, really, heading back to Coventry, probably lacking a bit of freshness, I would suggest, after uh, a week of travelling um, with Sweden. So this is a Coventry squad. Now, frankly, outside of those three, has a group of players that you would say is largely okay. Probably not much better than that. Decent championship players, maybe, but ones that don't really move the needle. And then they have three that very much do. Uh, and two of them are missing here. One of them's off the back of international break, traveling away uh, with Sweden. As for, for Borough, I thought I could just ignore them for a few weeks because I do think things will balance out. I do think they'll start moving up the table, or at least I did before I started getting worried that, that things were just going to get too stressful and too ugly behind the scenes and Wilder was going to walk out. For Bournemouth, that, that link happened rather uh, briefly this this week. It appears to have quietened down now, been quashed now. He's out to odds against from from a very short price. Um, I don't really know what's happening there, but sh for sure one of my, my strongest pre-season stances is looking worse and worse by the day. But... No matter how burnt I am, I can't stop kind of trusting in, in my beliefs. And I still believe they're a good team, despite their league position, despite their points return. Uh, I believe that a good team doesn't let the opposition take a lot of shots at their goal. Uh, and Borough face the fewest shots per game in the league. Uh, their XG per shot against is pretty good as well. They're, they're not giving up few shots, but massively high quality ones. Uh, I believe that a good team takes quite a lot of shots and not just pot shots from range, bad quality shots but decent ones and, and Borough's numbers reflect that and, and watching them reflects that. They move the ball into good areas. The composure hasn't always been there. The final ball or shot hasn't always been there. But again, they do inherently create a good volume of decent opportunities. And I think the teams that do both of those things in general win football matches. So sometimes there might be a goalkeeper out of form or a lack of composure or individual mistakes and that might lead to some results they don't make a team look good for a period but overall I still think no matter who the team is no matter who's in charge no matter who the players are a team that's doing that wins matches so I'm going to back them to do so this weekend I think overall they're still a good team so I'm backing Borough 6-4 to 2.5 with the Betfair Sportsbook to win at Coventry don't forget it's bet 10 get 2 
If you bet £10 on EFL Ackers this season with the Betfair Sportsbook, you'll receive a £2 free bet each time. There are T's and C's for this. You can find them uh, in the description of this podcast. Uh, let's move over to the exchange now, George, and lay a team. Who are you getting against this week? Friday night football, mate. Yay. I am in League Two, though, not in, uh, in the Championship in the Hull Luton game. Um, I'm laying, and this is a proper case where, like, you know, there's a, there's a price for everything. Uh, I'm going to be laying uh, Mansfield at 1.48, so just shorter than than two on. Who are at home to Hartlepool? I think there's a fair chance Mansfield will win League Two, um, and I think there's a fair chance Hartlepool will get relegated from. League two. But at the very moment that they're playing each other, I can't help but feel that Mansfield are a little bit too short. Now, getting overexcited about one game of football is pretty foolish. Um, but I will reiterate what I said on the Monday pod. In Keith Kell's first Hartlepool game, they may have drawn nil-nil against Gillingham, but they battered them. Um, they were the better side uh, throughout the second half. The first half, there wasn't too much in it. The second half was effectively one, one-way traffic throughout with Scott Cashkett having a shot after 46 minutes for Gillingham and then Gillingham not having a single other shot in the whole game. Whereas I think um, Hartlepool had 10 and an expected goals value of kind of 1.2, 1.3. So you can see there just how one way it was. Now, obviously a big part of this is Gillingham and Gillingham are a poor side, but I think we have to just say for Hartlepool, you know, there was an immediate uptick in performance. Now, with Keith Curl, that's sort of a massive surprise. You know, long-term, I'm not convinced that he is necessarily a particularly good manager, um, but we've seen him get teams be very, very effective in the past at a certain way of playing. You know, his teams, his Northampton side, his Carlisle side, they have had spells of being very, very good before things have eventually unraveled and it's been unsustainable. And I do kind of wonder if we saw enough uh, last weekend to suggest that Hartlepool do have the players to be a little bit, well, I mean, significantly better than they were under Paul Hartley. So that's one part of it. With, with Mansfield, you know, I, as I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of the team that Nigel Clough has built. I am pretty convinced they're going to be in the mix come the end of the season. Um, but there are injury issues. Hartigan uh, came off in the uh, Pizza Trophy game against Grimsby and he is out for this one. Hiram Boteng still out. Reese Oates is out. In my mind, those three players fit are probably three of their best five players, right? So you've got three players, and I know that Boateng and Oates' injuries aren't necessarily new, but we also saw in a 2-1 win at Crew on the weekend, it was a very, very tight game against the mid-table side and Mansfield weren't at their best. But off the back of back-to-back away wins, um, yeah, and it's not often on this podcast we probably put up a team to nap and then to lay the week after. I do just wonder if Hartlepool are being a little bit... Um, under, I mean, there's a chance they're still very poor. And obviously, given how good Mansfield have been, you know, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second that um, that they're not going to be, um, you know, th- there's no chance Mansfield turn up here and, and it's a very cosy home win on Friday night. But I think it, a kind of bigger than two to one about the lay, um, getting both a draw and, and the away side on, on side is, uh, is a, a fair enough way to go. And also add to the mix that Keith Curl going to Mansfield somewhere where he used to manage a bit of an axe to grind possibly as well. So, um, yeah, I'm laying Mansfield at a very, very short price, fully aware that it's, you know, maybe um, not the likely winner, but a two to one. You know, I think it's value. I think there should be a bigger price than they are. I was watching the extended highlights of that Jill's Hartlepool game and I was getting really excited by 
how sharp, how dangerous I thought some of the Hartlepool attacking players looked, uh, having previously not done so. Uh, and Jolly in particular had some good moments. Wes McDonald as well had a shot cleared off the line. Um, Joshua Murat up top has looked pretty dangerous at times as well this season. And I went straight onto the Betfair Sportsbook to see if there was a way of getting with them this weekend and saw their away at Mansfield and thought, ah, maybe a watching brief. So I'm glad <laughs> that you've got involved there. Um, I'll be watching that very closely as well. I'm laying West Brom. Again, uh, two weeks ago, this worked well for me at home to Birmingham. I've laid them at 1.84 today on the Betfair Exchange. They're at home to Swansea City. And it's, I mean, some of this is going to sound familiar from the other week. Uh, West Brom have won one league game in 10 this season. Um, So I'll say exactly what I said a few weeks ago. Until they show that they can put teams away without uh, this sort of lack of composure in front of goal and propensity to shoot themselves in the foot at the back stops. I'll happily take them on at a short price. Uh, it helps that I like Swansea as well. Um, that wasn't the case maybe a month ago. I didn't. I wasn't that impressed with their start to the season, but I'm seeing green shoots. I'm seeing progress. I think we both felt before last game against Hull um, that Swansea were a team in general playing quite well and, and not getting the results. Their performances maybe deserved or reflected or suggested. Uh, and then they, they beat Hull very comfortably 2-0 and were easily the better side against a Hull team that really did set alarm bells ringing. Even so, I'm, I'm much more positive about Swans than I was a month ago. Um, last season, they, they showed a lot of vulnerability away from home. Uh, but this season, they look to be a little better. They've only lost one of four away and it was against Borough and it was a last gasp winner again in a very even game. Otherwise, they've drawn two and, and won one. I, I actually think... Swansea's style, and I've said this about Swindon Town and the way they look to play in League Two. Um, I think that style actually sometimes lends itself to playing away more than at home. Uh, opposition teams, you know, more likely to, to press you to come on to you than just sit in a low block because home teams don't tend to do that in front of their home fans. I think Swansea want you to come at them. That's that they're looking to draw you onto them to to have more space uh, in the opposition half rather than just try and break down low block after low blocks. So I think it's what they. I think Swans can have some moments here, basically is what I'm saying, uh, against this West Brom team. Uh, Of course, West Brom might put it all together. They might have just needed the international break to reset and they might go again. But I'm looking forward to this one. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Swans can do. It's obviously Steve Bruce against Russell Martin, uh, both two men with two first names, which is, you know, I don't know what to think there. But it's old school against new school, isn't it? And uh, I quite like the new school personally. So uh, I'll be laying West Brom. I have laid West Brom 1.84 at home to Swans. Uh, let's go goals now. Okay. I am doing a BTTS no double in League Two. Mm. Um, and it's kind of because I looked at, um, you took minus one, but I looked at Stevenage to nil um, because I think Crawley's attack will, as I said, struggle against Stevenage's defence. So that's kind of the, the first leg, which I don't think needs much explanation given I've already uh, talked through that game a fair bit. So yeah, BTTS no in, in Crawley Stevenage is 20 to 23. You know, at least I guess we get onside the um, the the home win to nil as well. Although I think that's fairly unlikely, but it's a good thing to have. And the second one on a similar line is Gillingham against Sutton. Gillingham without shooting in the last forty four minutes of their game last weekend. We've only scored what is it three goals so far this season, of which we saw one. Um, a, a really poor attacking side up against a, a Sutton team, very similar to Stevenage. Very very good defensively. Very robust. Um, don't create a hat for the chances, but we know they are incredibly solid. I think both of these games should develop in the way that we expect with um yeah the the home goal being being peppered by uh, the better side and, and the team putting with more more physicality and able to to really challenge i 
Um, so the BTTS double is in the hope. Sorry, BTTS no double is in the hope that we have two away wins to nil. But um, at least it brings it does bring in the the, the nil nil draw and the uh, the possibility of a, a home win to nil as well. And that's five to two. So BTTS no, Gillingham Sutton and BTTS no Crawley Stevenage. Mm. So I'm going to sort of extend my understanding of the goals category and do, mm, here we go. Do a correct score here. Because I wanted to do a correct score. I didn't really know where else to put it. Yeah, it works. I think there will be a goal in Wigan against Rotherham. And I think it might go to Wigan. And so I'm backing Wigan (laughs) to win 1-0 against Rotherham on Saturday at 8-1. Rotherham first. Well, Paul Warren has left them. This is their first their first game without Paul Warren for some time. Uh, on top of that, some more confusion, some more chaos. Strong reports that Mark Bonner was coming in on Wednesday morning. Uh, by Thursday morning, Mark Bonner had decided to stay. He looked very happy about that in his press this morning. So back to the drawing board for um, for Rob Scott uh, at Rotherham. And Warren took with him to Derby, assistant Richie Barker, first team coach Matt Hamshaw, and first team goalkeeper coach Andy Warrington. So... The whole coaching staff gone, essentially, or at least the key members of the coaching staff. Do you know who's taking charge of the team and who's been taking training since he left? Richard Wood. And Lee Peltier. Nice. Big Richard Wood and Lee Peltier are in charge of this team. And, of course, I have no idea what they are like as interim managers, as coaches, whatever the right terminology would be. But if we think that training and match preparation are important in deciding fine margins of games between teams that are broadly similar. That's it's massively advantage Wigan. Of course, it's massively advantage Wigan here. Um, psychologically, I'll be honest and say, I don't know which, which way this goes for the Rotherham players. You know, it's the first game without Warren. Will the wind have been taken out of their sails by his departure? Will they feel a little betrayed, a little left in the lurch maybe? And if so, what does that do to them? Does that make them more fired up to show him what he's missing? He shouldn't have left. Does it make them try harder, run more, etc.? Does it make them better? Or does it make them worse? I think that's very hard to say, but I think it's an interesting question um, with a team in the situation like Rotherham. I just think Wigan are a really awkward opponent for them in this scenario. They've got way more certainty about them. Their game is pretty automatic at this point under Liam Richardson. All of their games bar one this season have been super close. If you take out the 5-1 defeat to Burnley, which was a bit of an aberration, Burnley scored basically every single shot they took. If you take that stupid game out, eight games played for Wigan, Eight goals scored, six goals conceded, low margin, low scoring stuff. And I think we know from last season as well, this Wigan side under Liam Richardson, they don't look for games to be open. They want them to be tight. They defend with their lives, well-structured, comfortable out of possession. They do that effectively. And they pose enough of a threat to score at an average of of one goal per game this season. Um, Rarely more than that and not a constant threat, but enough of a threat um, with the players that they have up up front. So my my vision of this game basically is that it's it's over-emotional for Rotherham and it's managed very well by Liam Richardson and Wigan. I think they can get ahead and see this one out. I don't see them cutting loose necessarily. Eight to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. Wigan to beat Rotherham 1-0 is in my goals category. A Betfair's bet builder allows you to combine selections easily into one bet, as you'll know by now. And with Betfair's popular bet builder, well, these are the trending Football League bet builder selections. You can add them to your bet slip in just one tap and you can find them if you head on to the Betfair Sportsbook and the football section of the app. Finish us off, George, with a goal scorer and then I'll follow you in. 
Yeah, I'm doing a, a player to score two or more goals, and that player is Dion Charles at home to, to Lincoln. Cool. Um, Lincoln have obviously had a, a pretty good time of it recently with a 2-0 win over Derby, with a 6-3 win over Bristol Rovers. Um, but their away form, I mean, they've got two wins, but they've conceded a fair few goals on a couple of occasions. They lost 4-0 uh, home, sorry, away at Peterborough. They conceded those three goals in the 6-3 defeat. Um, they lost 2-0 at Cambridge as well. So we're seeing a couple of occasions, you know, they got a 0-0 draw at, at, uh, at Pompey. Uh, and even at home, they've only kept one clean sheet in their four games, and that was in the 2-0 win uh, over Derby, conceding two against Fleetwood, one against Exeter, one against Forest Green. Um, they're a side who, you know, there is some merit in what they've done for sure. And I know that Lincoln fans are, are pretty happy uh, with how things are going under their new manager, Mark Kennedy. Um, but they aren't solid defensively. And I think Bolton are themselves trending at a right time. They look very impressive to me. We've already seen them beat Charlton and Wickham uh, 3-1 and 3-0 uh, at home. And they went and scored two at MK Dons as well. So they're a team who look to be they're starting to hit form uh, at the right time, um, beating uh, Peterborough at home as well, of course, um, a, a couple of weeks ago too. So Bolton are improving. And I think part of that is because Dion Charles, after injury issues early in the season, is back. Um, and he, yes, he's only scored one goal so far, and that was a penalty. But he is getting into goal-scoring opportunities. And it is just a matter of time in my mind until Dion Charles starts to score again. He's 13 to 8 to score anytime, which um yeah, you know with the Betfair sports book it is it is the best price on the market. So I, I'm definitely not putting you off doing that. Um I look to back him to score first instead. But I just thought with the hectic nature of some of Lincoln's games so far this season and Bolton's strength at home, there's a, a fair chance that um that they could score uh, a few if things do go their way. And in that case, I think the 17 to two about Charles to, to score two or more is the way I want to play it, especially with him on pens as well. So um, yeah, I think Dion's going to start scoring soon and, and no better time than Saturday. I'm going back to Crawley against Stevenage for my goal scorer pick. It's a man who has had five shots more than any other centre-back in the EFL. He had four shots last time out against Harrogate. He had three in the game before that against Bradford. He gets his huge, magnificent head on just about everything going. He's called Pidge, Carl Piergiani, and Stevenage are going to be pumping everything at Crawley to test them out, and Pidge should be licking his beak. Because he's due a goal, He's already got one this season, but frankly, there's more to come. I've no doubt about that. He's 9.5 to score anytime here with the Betfair Sportsbook. That's 17 to 2. Clearly, uh, for a centre-back, that is relatively skinny, but I think there's very good reasons for it. Uh, and you'll probably find the odd centre-back even shorter than that this week. Whereas I think he's the, he's the biggest threat, essentially, out of all centre-backs in the EFL this weekend. So, uh, because I'm feeling quite brave this week, with no real logic behind that, given I'm in poor form, uh, I'm going to have three quarters of a point on Pidge score a hat trick anytime at 9.5 at 17 to 2 with the Betfair Sportsbook and because of specifically the way that I think this game could really fall apart for Crawley if Stevenage can can get going I'm going to put a quarter of a point on two goals or more for Pierre Gianni at 125 to 1 so you know it's always a bit annoying when we split points i know it's not always that easy to to follow but let's say a point for me is 10 pounds that's 7 pounds 50 on pitch anytime at 9.5 and 2 pounds 50 on pitch two goals or more at 125 to 1 i don't think i've ever wanted anything to happen more so right two it could be 2 nil pitch double would be great it would be easily the, on. it'd be easily the best thing that's ever happened on this podcast <laughs> 
after six and a half years. Um, George, why don't you just quickly recap your selections and then we can head off into the weekend bliss. You insist. Uh, Stevenage, 10 to 11, my nap. Next best, Peterborough at 13 to 10 at MK. Laying Mansfield at home um, to Hartlepool on Friday night. BTTS, no double um, at five to two. That is the... Um, Stevenage game that we mentioned and also Sutton going to Gillingham and Dion Charles to score two or more at 17-2 for Bolton at home to Lincoln. A lot of people with two first names. Dion Charles being another one mentioned in this yeah. week. Actually putting me off quite a lot of our picks because uh, I don't trust them. I've never trusted Weirdly, them. I met someone in the, uh, last weekend just called Pierre Gianni. So. <laughs> well, his first name was Pierre and his second name no. was Gianni. A French no, Italian. Pierre, nope. Pierre Gianni Smith. <laughs> Okay, uh, Steve Evansonage, minus one, my nap at 3.75, 11 to four. Uh, Middlesbrough to beat Coventry away from home. I'm already regretting that one, but come on, Borough. Come on, Wilder. Six to four, 2.5 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I've laid West Brom on the exchange at 1.84. My goals pick is a correct score. One nil Wigan. This weekend against Rotherham, eight to one the price. And uh, my goal scorer, Carl Pierre Gianni, 9.5, 17 to two. Anytime goal scorer, three quarters of a point on that, and the quarter point on the off chance that Pidge keeps on heading. Two or more goals for Carl Pierre Gianni at 125 to one. It's been a pleasure. It's been a delight. I'm looking forward to standing in the away end at the valley with you. Yes. We're we beginning sitting or standing. I'll be standing safely, obviously. Mm. Go well, everyone. Have a good weekend.